In this episode of Brewery Pro, presented by Vintani, we meet Dr. Gabriella Montandon, Sensory Manager at Fermentus Academy, to talk about how yeast can enhance hop character in beers. We pay particular attention to her work characterising Safale K97, a yeast traditionally used for German pale ales such as Kolsch, but as a result of Gabriella's characterization work, it has been found to be a yeast that has biotransformative properties that can unlock thiols and other flavours in hops, with her sensory work showing that it's a useful yeast for hop-forward beers such as New England IPA and hazy beer styles. Dr Montandon is well qualified to discuss the impacts of yeast in brewing. She has a PhD in brewing microbiology with expertise in sensory testing and analysis, and she is also the co-founder of Grimoire Beer in Minas Gerais, southeastern Brazil. And I'm going to get corrected on that and all of my pronunciation in this episode. It's a genuinely interesting episode about yeast, yeast characterization, and how through ongoing testing and research, Fermentus continues to discover more and more about that single cell organism that is yeast. Enjoy. Gabriella Montandor, uh, welcome to this uh, Brewery Pro podcast. Now, b- before we start going into anything technical about yeast, how did I go with that surname? <laughs> Gabriella Montandon, it was perfect. Not quite, but it still had the Australian accent, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't butcher it. So uh, now, just to m- maybe explain what your uh, background is and uh, what your role with uh, Fermentus is. Sure. Um, so I, I am, uh, my, my graduation is in biology, so biological science, but I did a PhD in microbiology. And um, I've been also spending many years into sensory world as being a professional taster too. And I engaged it in Fermentis six years ago, a little bit more than six years ago to implement our sensory program. So align my experience in, in yeast and fermentation. So I'm specialized in brewing yeast. Uh, and as a, as a taster and lately former as, uh, in, in sensory analysis, I, in fermentis, I have the role of, um, discovery, the, the potential and flavor expression of our products. One of the things that I find fascinating, but before we start talking about the sensory side um, as, as it uh, relates to yeast, one of the things that fascinates me is on one hand, yeast is so simple. It's a single cell organism and we're constantly told that it's a simple, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a simple um, uh, organism. And yet there are so many variations in what that yeast can achieve, even though they're fundamentally the same thing. Can you, can you just explain why that is and what is some of the processes that take place that make different yeast strains behave so differently in the brewing industry? Sure. I, I must challenge you first. I okay, think, sure. I think we want the yeast to be simple. It's a little bit different than what it really is. Um, a unicellular microbial, um, they have... Uh, they are so complex yet in one cell, but meaning that they are doing everything in one cell, what we need to do in several types of cells, several uh, tissues and organs. So it's, a, it's a, let's say, a little bit shifting on the way we think, because 
everything we do in a in a in a body with a lot of specializations surely we are not um, comparing the the let's say the amount of process we we have comparing to a yeast but a yeast is more similar to us than a yeast to a bacteria so it's something also to to uh, it's insightful because we are more similar to yeast than yeast from a bacteria. So we are go to two um, uh, individual cells with um, very much complex, and we share a lot in common with yeast too. Um, so the yeast can, it's true that uh, I think the fact that it's invisible, it's unknown, it's uh, mysterious, we don't have the the let's say the total understanding of what is the impact on the brewing industry that might represent by simply choosing the right or the wrong yeast to perform uh, um, a, a brewing process and a specific recipe. And on top of it, different from hops and malts, we cannot just uh, open a yeast pack or take an Erlenmeyer and, uh, and drink it to see what will like the beer right? It's far away from it. It's different from a pack of hops that you just open the pack and then say, oh, if I get these flavors in my beer, I will be happy. And you will open a pack of yeast, you will say like, oh no, that's not necessarily what I was looking for. But it's because uh, we are strictly connected to how we, um, how we produce the culture media for that yeast to survive and to live and to produce what we want the, that, that yeast to produce, which is our word, right? So it's um, there we need to understand that indeed is a promotion of, um, of uh, right conditions that the yeast can deliver what you want them to deliver. I, I can honestly say I'd never actually thought of it that way. So, uh, I mean, th th that's fascinating to think that you, you, you're right that something that is so simple has to do so much and that actually makes it incredibly complicated if in in that case how do we set about characterizing the differences in yeast and i i believe that this is where your area of special uh, specialization is that you've been doing characterize characterization studies on yeasts maybe talk to us about that and what that process is sure one of another thing, um, maybe since it's this mysterious uh, environment, um, characterizing yeast has opened up our comprehension because one of uh, important points to 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 take into consideration those yeast they are incredible di uh, diverse in their genomic uh, terms. I mean, they they are still more or less under the same classification of saccharomyces is our mostly our yeast uh, uh, that we use the most or cerevisia or pastorianus but the moment we we go deep into understand how those both yeasts um, uh, which are then indeed very different from one another um, they behave when we play with the density of the word we use when we play with the uh, under or over pitching in, into our brewing world. We play with temperature of fermentation because 
like connecting with what we we said the previous qu uh, uh, question this is the way we give the yeast the environment to produce uh, uh, things we want or we don't want to and every yeast may react differently because it's not by coincidence that they are different in their uh, genome or their genes they will also react differently when we change temperature when we change uh, the the bio the the biomass and uh, the pitching rate on the on that word so there are several parameters and it can um, it it it, uh, it opened us uh, so many uh, answers and so many questions of how this complex organism can work in, into the brewing application. Maybe you can talk about the characterization study that you did. Um, was was that specifically on uh, Safal K97, or was it more generally based? No, um, um, the K97 was also characterized, but we have been characterizing nearly all our um, portfolio of uh, brewing yeast, and which lead us also to compare uh, how one yeast behave in the same conditions uh, that we apply, or a variety of conditions that we apply for another yeast. I give you a quick example. So we have uh, yeasts that are more or less sensitive to temperature or fermentation, meaning that uh, when we are increasing a certain level of degrees in a, during our fermentation, you do have yeast that will promote or or will produce um, uh, specific f components and f the uh, allied to the flavor formation, which will have more or less impact in the final beer. We have yeast by even increasing the, the, the temperature of fermentation by, let's say, 10 degrees Celsius more than we usually do, and there is nearly no impact in the final beer. On the other hand, in another yeast strain, if you do the same or even in, in less... Um, and a less extent uh, of uh, increase in temperature, the yeast will change completely the final flavor of the beer. So what we do, we really play with that conditions on, on where we put the yeast, and we evaluate physical, chemically what's happening with the beer, and also in sensory perspective. If that chemi chemical, physical chemical difference is really uh, it, it really matters for the final flavor of the beer, which we see very often. People are um, optimistic or pessimistic about some numbers we show, but we don't know if it's the final beer. When we taste, when we drink the beer, we will see those things. So there, I think that's the approach we have sort of game-changing a little bit because we work in pilot um, scales, we work in sensory with finished products, we are pretty convinced of the changes that uh, one or another yeast can do. And we have been collecting a lot of uh, positive feedback from the brewers around the world because they apply those conditions we suggest on their beers that they can obtain the results they want or faster than they want. So this is uh, very rewarding for us. So, so once a yeast is released, it's not just on the market and that's it. There is constant um, research going into the, 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 that same yeast and how it behaves and how it can perform differently under different conditions. Correct. Normally what we do, we have a 
So I am engaging into the, the applied research program in which is exactly what I say. Uh, we launch a product, but uh, we want to see, we know basic characteristics of that product, including sensory characteristics, but also physical chemical data from that uh, new product, such as uh, rate of fermentation, uh, sugar consumption and this kind of things. But uh, when we launch a, pro a product, it will mostly automatic fall into our applied research program in which we will then dig into much more complex design of experiments to try to hypothesize and, and giving answers about uh, a specific yeast by really putting this yeast in different conditions. And I give you, for example, do, I gave already the examples of the changing fermentation conditions, such as uh, pitching rate, temperature fermentation, and density of the wort. But what we also do, we apply different process, let's say using traditional or non-traditional yeast for in a process of uh, non-alcoholic beer production, for example, in which the process and the base, let's say the wort, it's uh, uh, in practice completely different to a normal beer because uh, we don't let fermentation goes in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, so we also do uh, evaluate different yeast under a specific recipe for a beer style. Because when we launch a product, we have, um, we have, let's say, general recommendations. But what happened with K97, for example, where we, we, we have been uh, talking um, slightly here before, we mm. have completely uh, understand by those characterizations a complete new use of that yeast in which was in in it in the moment one of our oldest yeast in our portfolio is uh, and how we discover that potential in in hopped beers so, so it's not a new product it, it it's an it, it's an old yeast that as a result of the research you've discussed uh, discovered new applications for it exactly this is not okay. at all a, a brand new yeast um and i need to challenge you again matt i'm sorry i'm challenging but uh, this is what we're here for i you know i i see um uh, for example we see into the raw material world um we we know that um, using a specific raw material, uh, I don't know, or hops, a cascade hops or a pilsner malt, we know that the same raw material we can use in several beer styles, correct? But people don't think the same with the yeast. We need to name sometimes a yeast with a specific beer style to comfort us to use that. And K97, it's like a Pilsner malt or a Cascade. I can use a Cascade in my Pilsner if I want to, or I can use a Cascade in my New England IPA or Hazy IPA. Mm -hmm. um, and Pilsner malt, it's still the base malt for Imperial Stout, correct? And yeast is the same. Yeast you can use in specific beer styles um, and several of them. What you need to know is what that yeast will bring to you that will clarify if it's more or less adapted to what you want to. And K97 was this. K97 was originally um, meant it, and for several reasons very good for, for producing 
Kölsch beers, Kölsch, that is the mm -hmm. German, um, let's say, considered the hybrid uh, uh, beer style. Um, and for several reasons, uh, this is a very indicate to produce that style. But by characterizing the yeast, by really digging into the yeast potential, what we have been doing for several years, we have been discovering uh, a very high potential, what we have been demonstrating scientifically for a, a couple of years, around four years, um, the impact of that yeast when in connection, when in interaction with hops. That's almost counterintuitive, a very, very light-flavoured, uh, light-bodied beer like Kolsch. The yeast that creates that also um, enhances hop characters, which which seems, as I said, very counterintuitive. No, uh, I think it's logical to think about this because we will always think that the yeast is competing with the ferment fermentative flavors uh, and uh, not bringing necessarily the hop character we, we are w wishing to. This is intuitive, but not necessarily correct. In mm -hmm. reality, we see also uh, the craft brewers uh, mostly um, really favoring neutral yeast uh, to put in, in the hop beers. It's very good. It might work. But what we normally disconsider is the impact of some rather uh, subtle or intense fruity flavors promoted by the yeast, which can act synergetically with hop flavors and increasing the fruitiness boost of a specific uh, yeast, one point. On the other point, which is um, more or less more or less told tell in the in the in, in nowadays in the scientific approach in the least practical approach and we have been demonstrating in a practical form that the yeast will take hop components that were um, invisible let's say they were flavor inactive in that form and they will transform that uh, hop component and release what is flavor active. And what we, we normally call that as biotransformation because you need to transform by a biological creature that, such as yeast. Um, and we've seen that and also, um, the power of some, the, the, the yeast as a single cell. We can also see them as a unit of uh, industry, of full of, uh, of uh, enzymes and uh, uh, such a, a lot of machinery to transform a lot of things. And they really build and, and change some composition of hops that will make it different, more or less active. So what we see, not necessarily the neutral yeast are doing that job. Uh, that job is being doing by East by uh, several reasons uh, uh, for their basal metabolism, but also specific uh, met metabolic uh, pathways that lead to that transformation. And what is it about, uh, in this case, the K97 that specifically interacts with the hops? Uh, do we know that? Yeah, we, we know. Um, uh, uh, everything is started because we always found that yeast a little bit 
sort of floral that we we at the beginning we didn't understand because it uh, we could not necessarily demonstrate it was only by a uh, uh, production of floral notes under the class of fermentative aromas. We went uh, deeper on that uh, knowledge and tried to um, understand. First, uh, putting the K97 under our studies, uh, a program that we have that we call Eastern Hop Interaction, where we choose specific varieties of hops and we do different uh, hop additions and different concentrations and different circumstances and try to see what the yeast is doing in a sensory way. Um, and we have seen it, the potential of K97 at that point uh, in several trials we've, we've done. And then we say, okay, we see this is in single hop additions. And what about mix, uh, hopping and really heavily hopped beer, such hazy IPA, and which we are dealing with uh, enormous amount of um, hops per hectoliter. What, what, how K97 will behave here? And then we, 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 we've done a study and we demonstrate that K97, it's, uh, not only in the sensory, in the final beer, and I mean it, final beer, this is uh, passed through all the downstream process and uh, likely what happened in a brewery, which is different from lab trials that, uh, that uh, sometimes it's not necessarily relevant for, for the final application. We've seen it with K97, an enormous uh, association with uh, by doing what we call hop volatile fingerprinting. And we've seen that in K97, you have, um, at that case, um, uh, one of the highest association with, and with higher amount of hop-derived aroma. So not only the, the, the hop itself, but the transformation that the yeast done and mostly a latest study has been shown too that K97 especially is able to, um, release what was bounded and inert, uh, especially in the, in another, um, universe of molecules. This one we call tiles that they are releasing from the, the bounded form. And K97 is very powerful to do that. So um, it was really a story with different chapters. We've been hearing a lot about thiols. What is it about K97 that unlocks them? Yes, uh, we've been demonstrating that it's really the tiles. So you can have uh, uh, hops that are already rich and free tiles so they are there free and you feel them but you have hops that are also uh, having free tiles and what we call bounded tiles and the bounded tiles they uh, they are we don't smell those tiles as they they are invisible and the yeast what they they really do is to break that piece of that molecule that it's uh, making them uh, invisible and break down and release the free form. And by releasing the free form, it's like indeed enhancing or unlocking that uh, hop potential that we, we, we would not have, uh, unless the yeast would metabolize that, um, mm -hmm. that molecule. 
And, and, and w- w- was this a lucky discovery uh, about this yeast or was it something that you'd specifically gone looking for? It was chapters. Uh, uh, we, we've seen it uh, evidences in different studies and we went deeper and deeper and deeper. It started really with an observation, with sensory observation, there was something, something happening. And sensory observations require a lot of method and statistical analysis. And we say, is there here? Something is happening. And that happening, we went deeper, deeper, deeper in other studies and other hypotheses from the practical uh, um, way of looking at it. And also from the fundamental way uh, of looking at it, we have been demonstrated our real potential. It's not that we are uh, thinking that it can have a potential. This was indeed four or five years ago. But today we are more than sure that this yeast is very uh, um, powerful on doing uh, such um, transformations that we are talking. And, and so there, there are styles such as the New England IPA, or we've, we've seen a lot of hazy beers that are very fruit forward and very much about releasing those styles. Is that the style that you would recommend the K97 being used for? Oh, yes. I would not doubt to use K97 for a hop-forward beers in general. I would not, uh, I would not at all uh, hesitate to do that based on everything that we've been seen. But another point is uh, what we need to communicate that the yeast uh, will help hops to appear in the game. But not only that, but the yeast uh, itself will produce interesting, more or less interesting components in a more or less interesting concentration that will help your sensory buds or your senses to detect that flavor too. Because the aroma in a hopped beer is not only from the hops. But the, the, the hop itself, the transformation of the hops, the base of the beer. And I tell you one other example, uh, Matt, that I, that I, that I think it's very challenging. Um, we've seen it in the yeast and hops interactions that in numbers, sometimes some yeast that we call puff positive yeast that produces spicy character. In numbers, sometimes they, they, we could easily, um, uh, interpret that those yeasts would be wonderful for a hop beers because they could also transform a lot of things. But on the other hand, those yeasts were producing those phenolic components, which we have been demonstrated and, uh, those, all those studies are, are, are published, um, that, uh, these phenolic, it's, it has a huge potential masking effect. And that masking effect meaning that in a final beer, even though the number sounds more interesting in hop components, uh, the phenolic will mask that sensation and you don't feel uh, at all the hop nuances that you you were expecting. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about the sensory and the unlocking the potential of hops that a yeast such as K97 has? Yes, we, I think, uh, we are very proud also for the sensory program we've built and, um, uh, we have a very strong pillar in sensory and we are highly competent on that, uh, on that field, which is crucial 
for the proper understanding of the uh, the power of regardless the material but the power of a specific uh, 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 experiment for the industry application because uh, we've seen it uh, all the the through the throughout the years um, we we only could see such a potential with very strong and with a highly fundamental sensory program. If we would not have that uh, strong and reliable sensory program, maybe this could be uh, pa could pass through our eyes. Um, and I reinforce, and this is our uh, uh, what makes us uh, different is because we look for the for pilot. We look for a final product and what it's easily transferable to the brewing uh, industry without doubts. So it's very important to rely on sensory because there are a lot of numbers in the very end that does not have the power in the final product to consider that beer hop forward. You have um, you have a lot of interactions. You have a lot of um, um, synergy effect between those bunch of flavors that you have in your glass of beer, and we need to understand in which extent those numbers are really correlated with a human being feeling. Oh yes, that beer is much more citrus or tropical than the other beer, and we go in depth and we say this is not necessarily related to a fruity esters from the fermentation but yes from the transformation of hop components talking about century i, I, I can't not mention the the, the the new fermentus academy the um, facility the the campus that has just been built that is designed to showcase sensory in the, the, with the sensory facilities they're not the on-site production facilities that you can uh, use to to test uh, yeast in these very many uh, in different ways correct we have a, a very modern um, and well-equipped I need to say uh, we are very proud to have one of the, the, the best tools in sensory analysis and uh, very capable people um, uh, into running those experiments. We are at full speed almost every day in the week. We have several panels and we, we are dealing in a weekly base with almost, uh, let's say, 60 trained uh, tasters that are in a weekly base giving and, and helping us to uh, discover more about flavor formation and expression with our products, mostly uh, for the moment yeast and bacteria, but also combination with that or in combination with uh, enzymes. So we are really trying to, to extract as more as we can uh, in that sensory perspective, because again, K97 is the key uh, in this story, because everything is started with something we were not necessarily looking at, and we say there is something happening, and through this, we've been to the final uh, clarifications in a scientific manner, and the sensory in the Fermentis Academy. Now it uh, it's uh, uh, surely a key structure for continuing that development. Does the fact that it's an active dry yeast have any impact on, on, on the yeast or is that purely a brewery management and convenience uh, element of the yeast? 
As a microbiologist, I must tell you, and I, I, I was owner also of a craft brewer in Brazil some couple of years ago, and I remember very much that people say, but you are a microbiologist and using dry yeast, and I say, but that's why. Because when we are um, small, when we run with a low budget, and when we, we don't have proper laboratories, I would not go too far in yeast management. You can easily do mistakes. You can very easily do mistakes. And Fermentis is um, a well-known um, yeast manufacturer. And we are part of a big group, an even bigger group uh, called Lesafre, in which yeast manufacturing is uh, the, the key for this company. We have almost 160 years. So they, they, what they do for us, they put in a very small pack something that is without water, so meaning that the shelf life is much bigger because yeast is a living being. Uh, it's like uh, ourselves or a plant. It needs to be carried. But the moment it's in its uh, in uh, almost sleeping form because there is no water on it, um, you, uh, what is in that pact is a ready-to-use pitching inoculum that uh, it's ready that it's independent on how you or you have been managing a yeast, a pitching culture for several weeks. So we communicate on all the uh, specific um, quality on that uh, product and you should rely on that and make sure the worst thing that you can do is to pitch a yeast that is not healthy or not the right quantity because you miss on some steps or you don't have the right equipment to follow up the uh, health of the, of the yeast. So the dry form, I think it's a key feature for brewers that are willing still to be creative, but not necessarily able to hire a proper microbiologist and lab and lab equipments to, to handle in a daily base, in a routine, uh, the quality of their, of their uh, yeast. Um, just before we finish, is there anything else that brewers should be aware of when it comes to using uh, the Safale K97? Yes, I think there are some important things we've, we, we've seen it. K97 is a sort of a yeast that like less, um, lower temperatures of fermentation. This is important because, uh, sometimes, uh, we see some brewers applying low fermentation temperatures in, in yeast without really knowing what can, can, can happen. Some yeasts are more or less happy at lower temperatures, even AO yeast, and K97 doesn't like it too much. Um, that the fermentations are very long and the flavor profile are not very interesting. You can really have some, um, tendencies of sulfury components and and a decrease on on the attenuation level which is not so fun when we are uh brew with it but surely um i think um that would be my biggest advice and biggest advice not necessarily uh going o under pitching um, under peaching can also lead to, uh, stock fermentations and also, um, not well levels of attenuation where we should be very careful. So I would really say to the brewers to, um, um, to, to try, of course, whatever they want to, but, uh, maybe not going so far with the, what the supplier is doing and saying 
because uh, it, things can go wrong because you can change one specific condition that we already clarified that it's not good for your beer. So I would uh, use K97 to unlock a hop potential without any fear. And I would, uh, especially there in Australia with your beautiful hops. Oh, that, that's, uh, let's say, uh, two big potentials, I see. I, I, I should ask, is there any difference between specific types of hops? Uh, 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 any hops more uh, sort of open to the interaction with uh, K97? There are many differences, and I would even say that uh, from the hop industry itself, sometimes even unknown, there are a lot on the hop, a new hop varieties that we know uh, mm. more or less about their proper potential. Because most of the time, as you know, in the hop industry, we evaluate the hops in their in their dry form or in their hop tea. Uh, uh, to evaluate sensorially the potential of the hop. But it's um, less available data in the final beers because there are so many processes, there are so many variables that um, that can differ from the raw hop character, from the, from the final uh, hop character in the beer. I would uh, say... Um, for what, what we show uh, in K97, I would not yet separate from a hop that are more or less poten uh, potential to use it because we've been demonstrated uh, several ways that K97 can unlock that hop flavors rather by biotransforming hop uh, uh, tile components but also by esterification of hop derived esters. Um, so I, I would not select hops to use it but uh, rather Using th that yeast uh, with the um, the mix or single hop beers you would like to, um, without without any any uh, fear or specification required on which hop to choose. Wonderful. Well, I think that gives us a very uh, good overview. Obviously, we'll provide links in the show notes to the technical specifications um, and also links to Fermentus and also Bintani who distribute the, uh, the, the yeast in Australia. So, Dr. Gabriela Montandon, uh, thank you very much for your time and uh, for telling us a little bit more about K97. With pleasure. And I wish uh, to be in Australia in, uh, in the future and drink some beers with Australian hops and K97. That will be wonderful. Are you going to be lucky enough to join us for BrewCon, uh, which is coming up in August? Not this year. I apologize Not for that, year. but we'll surely have uh, <laughs> colleagues there. Uh, and I, I'm sure they would also be very glad if they are in contact with people that are um, using K97 in these hopped beers, I'm sure. And they can transfer me their enthusiasm. But certainly something that I uh, would highly recommend Australian brewers do if they get the chance uh, to, to, to visit Lille and the uh, campus, the, the Fermentus campus there. And uh, if for no other reason that there are some amazing breweries uh, within a very short drive and it makes it a great opportunity to uh, not only learn about yeast but experiment with some of the terrific uh, Flanders and Belgian uh, breweries. Oh, yes. 
Oh yes, I I though although I live in in I, I work in France, I live in Belgium, eh? and it's because they say why are you live in Belgium still is because oh yeah oh yes I I love beer so and there is a wonderful <laughs> source of beers uh, around me. Um, apart from France, there is uh, developing pretty much in in uh, some um, in some of their beers now. But uh, it's true that it's worth it to come. It's worth it to see what we are doing. And surely Bintani can help us on, on that uh, connection. Uh, and here in this region, we, we don't miss good beers in the shelves and the pubs. And they are wonderful. I think it's very worth it. Yeah. Dr. Gabrielle Montendon, thank you very much for your time. Thank to you, Matt. It's a very great pleasure to be here. And that was Dr. Gabriella Montandon from Fermentus. There's a link for more information in the show notes, as well as contacts for the team at Bintani. You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening.